Hey, Cape Christian Online. My name is Pastor John, and uh, I have the honor of, of being with you this weekend. And, uh, and last week, Pastor Corey started a new series entitled DTR. Now, if you don't know what DTR means, DTR stands for Define the Relationship. And, uh, and Pastor Corey last week shared, shared a story, kind of a personal story, more of a story about somebody else that he was involved with. I kind of gave him a hard time because he didn't share a personal story about his DTR conversation. So I'll give you my DTR conversation. I've been married now for 14 years. I have four children. I can't remember their names, but their ages are 14, 12, 10, and eight. I can remember that. And, uh, and so I've been married for a while. And I remember when me and my wife were dating, it got to the point where we had to DTR. We had to define the relationship. And, and I'll never forget because I completely messed up. And so fellas, if you're watching this and you haven't yet had the DTR conversation, let me give you what not to do. You know, there are, there are lessons that we can learn. There are people that we can follow in their footsteps. Don't follow my lead in this. And, and I remember me and my, at the time we were dating, she's now my wife because somehow it worked out. But uh, she, she, we were having this conversation and she looked at me and she said, John, I just want you to know that I love you. And this was the first time either one of us had used the L word in discussing our relationship or our level of commitment to one another. And so she looked at me and she said, John, I want you to know I love you. And I looked back at her and with all the sincerity I could muster in my heart, I said, Angel, I'm just not there yet. And that was my DTR conversation. Again, I don't know how it's led to us being married for 14 years, but that's how it went. And it went so much better in my head than it did in person. Uh, but, but there are times in our lives where we have to define the relationship. Pastor Corey last week was wearing his, his Husker jersey. And he talked about how that when it comes to relationship and, and DTR, we can either be a fan or we can be a follower. And there's a lot of fans. There are very few real true followers. And DTR is not necessarily our relationship with one another, but, but the relationship that we're needing to define and, and really what we're looking at through the course of this series is defining our relationship with the Lord. What is, what is the level of commitment between us and our heavenly father. And, and Pastor Corey last week took us to Luke chapter nine. And, and Jesus said, anybody who wants to, to follow me, anybody who wants to be my follower must, must leave his own way, must deny himself, take up his cross daily, not weekly on Sunday mornings, not, not weekly when they watch church online, but daily, every day we have to pick up our cross and follow me. And, and, and Pastor Corey talked about how that, that there's this challenge for us to be followers, but too many of us, are simply fans of Jesus. We know a lot about Jesus. We might know a lot about the word of God, but we know very little about him personally or, or intimately in our daily lives. And so, so let's look today at how do I become a follower of Jesus? What does it mean to move from, from simply being a fan to being a follower? What does it mean to move from knowing Jesus as my savior to knowing Jesus as my Lord, because salvation is free, but discipleship will cost us everything. It's one thing to, to come to church. It's one thing to pray a prayer in our heart and to invite Jesus into our lives. It's another thing completely to lay down our lives and live for him. And so as we look at that today, I'm, I'm going to skip ahead one chapter. Last week we were in Luke chapter 9. Today we're going to be in Luke chapter 10. And it's a story about a, a man who stands up one day 
and really tries to have a DTR conversation with Jesus and asks Jesus a, a very important question. And in Luke chapter 10, here's what the, the scripture says. It says that one day an expert in the religious law stood up to test Jesus. I don't know about you, but there's been times in my life where I've tested Jesus and it doesn't work out so well. He stands up to test Jesus by asking him this question. He says, teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replies with a question. Jesus was so gangster like that. Like Jesus, whenever he was asked a question, he didn't just respond. He didn't just say this or that. He either responded with a question or he responded with a story. And for us today, we read this and we read the stories of, of Jesus asking questions and Jesus telling parables. And it's like, oh, that's my Jesus. He's just the way he, the way he taught and the way he communicated and the way he turned people's questions back on them was just, it was just the best. I wish I could see that. But if you were the disciples, how would you feel? Like, think about it. If you ask your significant other, what do you want for dinner tonight? It's not a rhetorical question. And you're not asking for a question in return. The worst thing that you could hear is, I don't know, what do you want for dinner? That's not what I asked you. I asked what you wanted. And so Jesus is always doing this. And if I was a disciple, I probably would get annoyed by it. But that's just me. Jesus replies, what does the law of Moses say? How do you, how do you read it? The man answers him. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all of your mind. And on the side, you have to love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus responds and he says, right, do this and you will live. Do this and you will live. Let me pray for our time together and then we're gonna get into this really quickly. Lord, I thank you for your word. God, I pray that as we examine your word, that you would make it come alive to us, that you would, you would open our eyes, open our ears, open our hearts, that we would see, hear, and experience whatever it is that you want to show us today. Lord, that we would leave knowing that we've had an encounter with you, that it would be a life-changing encounter producing fruit, eternal fruit, much fruit in each and every one of our lives. God, for those that are listening right now, I pray that your presence would overcome them, would manifest in that place in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, as we, as we look at this scripture and as we look at this in the lens of defining the relationship, this man stands up and, and he essentially asks Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What must I do to go from being a fan to a follower? How do I make that transition? Because, because I, I follow you, I see you, I have experienced you, I've heard your teachings and it sounds really good but what do I have to do personally to make that next step? See, as you, as you read the gospels, you'll see that there were different groups of people around Jesus all the time. You see that the community was there and, and the community had heard about Jesus. Jesus would go town to town. He was preaching, he was healing, he was ministering and, and the towns had heard about Jesus. The crowds were there and the crowds experienced Jesus. When Jesus got off a boat, the Bible says that he saw the crowd and he had compassion on them. He healed their sick. They were there when Jesus did that. They were the 5,000 that Jesus fed that day. You go from the, the community to the crowd to the congregation. Those were either the, the 12 disciples that were with him every day or the 70 that he sent out or the, the 120 that were in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. They were the ones who were really committed to Jesus. And then within that group, even you have the core. You have Peter, James, and John who weren't just the ones that were following Jesus on a daily basis, but they were the ones that Jesus was taking away, spending intimate personal time 
alone with. And so this man had seen this, this play out. And he said, how do I go from being a part of this camp to being a part of that camp? How do I go from being a, a fan to a follower? What must I do is his question. Jesus responds. He says, well, what do you read in the law? How do you interpret that? The man says, here's what I read. I read that I have to love the Lord with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And Jesus says, you're right. Do that and you will live. Now, here's, here's what's interesting to me is that when Jesus is asked the question, what must I do? He doesn't respond and reply and say, you don't have to do anything. All you have to do is believe in your heart. Jesus doesn't respond and say, just pray a prayer. And that's it. See, I think in church, what we can do is a lot of times we can, we can have this idea that, well, if I just believe enough, if I just have enough faith, if I just pray this prayer, then everything is going to be okay. We can quote scriptures like Ephesians chapter two, which says that it's by grace that we've been saved through faith, not by works, so that none of us can boast about it. And we, we, we like to say, well, I'm not under the law, I'm under the new covenant. Well, yes, that's true. But Jesus didn't come to abolish the law. He came to fulfill the law. And even though it's not by works that we're saved, what the Bible tells us is that our faith had better lead us to works. When Jesus is asked, what must I do? He doesn't say, don't focus on the doing. He says, what do you think you should do? And as the man answers, Jesus says, okay, do this and you'll live. Do this and you'll be my follower. Do this and you'll move from fanship to follower. Do this. As we, we look at the New Testament, James chapter two, James is, is writing about the, 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 the life of Abraham. And here's what, here's what James says in, in James chapter two. He says, you see, his faith and his actions, Abraham, works together. His actions made his faith complete. His actions made his faith complete. In the church today, we focus so much on faith and we leave all the actions behind. Here's my question to you, wherever you're watching from today, are your actions making your faith complete? I'm just gonna let that sink in for a second. Are your actions, the way that you're living your life, the things that you're doing on a daily basis, those, those personal habits, those daily disciplines that, that you've developed over your life, or maybe that you've developed during quarantine of 2020? What are the daily things that you're doing, making complete in your life? I don't know about you, but I want my actions to make my faith complete, just like Abraham's did. Jesus himself in Matthew chapter five is, is teaching and he, he says, in the same way, let your good deeds shine for everyone to see. He, he prefaces this by, by giving us this idea that nobody lights a lamp, nobody lights a candle and puts it under a basket, but instead we put it on a stand for, for everybody in the house to get light from. He says, in the same way, in the same way that you light this lamp to light up the whole house, let your good deeds light up your life so that everyone around you will see Christ in you and praise your Father in heaven. What are your deeds saying about who you follow in your life right now? It's a challenging question. It's a hard question. It's a difficult question to answer because there are so many voices that are talking to us, especially during this time. So many voices that are vying for our attention during this time. And we can turn on the TV and get political commentary. We can turn to social media and get cultural commentary. We can, we can turn to our friends or turn to our relatives and get social 
commentary, but how many of us are turning to God's word and getting biblical commentary? How many of us are, are coming to God and saying, God, what should I do? See, the thing I love about this man is he comes to Jesus with the question, Lord, what must I do? He doesn't go to his neighbor. He doesn't go to his friend. He doesn't turn on CNN or Fox News or, or Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. He doesn't go to any of those other sources and ask the question, what should I do? He goes to the only source that matters and that's Jesus Christ and says, what should I do? What do you want me to do? What is required of me? See, I think a lot of us are going to all of these other sources with everything that's happening right now. Trust me, I, I get it. I understand that. I get it. It's a difficult time. COVID is a difficult time. Health professionals, what must I do? Business, what must I do? Employer, what must I do? School, what must I do? What, what, do you, what do you want from me? How do I respond? And we're all kind of responding in our, own, in our own different way. Jesus, what should I do? In response to George Floyd and the Black Lives Matter, what must, what must I do? And I've had conversations with people over the last few months and it's like, I'm not racist, but what's my responsibility? I've never done that, but, but people that I love, people that I'm in relationship with, people that, that I care about, they're, they're telling me these things that they've gone through and I don't know what to do. And so we go to our friends and we go to the news and we go to social media asking the question, what should I do? But this man goes to Jesus and says, what should I do? Have you gone to Jesus as much as you've gone to these other sources during this trying time in our lives? Have you gone to God's word and asked the question of God's word? God, what must I do? What is my response to this? How am I called to live in response to what's going on around me? Or is all we're doing looking at our Facebook feed and following the example of those around us? What must I do? See, the difference between a fan and a follower is the source of your life the source of your information, the source of truth for you. Because fans, there's a lot of fair weather fans. And as long as my team is winning, I'll wear the jersey. And as long as my team is doing well, I'll retweet and I'll repost and I'll have all the support and I'll do the bumper stickers and all this other stuff, absolutely. But if they start losing, that's where the rubber meets the road. If, if, if it becomes uncomfortable for me, that's where it's easy for me to say, I don't know about that. Well, I have a lot, of, a lot of fans of Jesus who can come to church on Sunday and, and we talk about healing. It's like, yeah, I want some of that. Deliverance, yeah, I want some of that. Peace, love, joy. I want all of that on the side. Give me extra. But then we talk about discipleship. We talk about picking up our cross. Pastor Tori, Corey talks about de denying ourselves and, and giving, get, getting rid of, of our desires. And it's like, I don't know that I can get down with that. Why? Because we're, we're fans. Luke chapter nine, the same verse or same, same passage of scripture that, that Corey used last week. Jesus, when a man comes to him and says, Jesus, I'll follow you everywhere. Jesus doesn't say, okay, let's go. Jesus says, foxes have dens, birds have nests, but I have no place to lay my head. You know what that man did? He went away sad. Why? Because I don't want that. That's too uncomfortable for me. Listen, if you are deciding today or if you decide in the coming months or if you decide at any point in your life that, you know what, I don't wanna just be a fan of Jesus. I wanna be a follower of Jesus. If you make that decision, that what that means is you better get comfortable being uncomfortable. 
And if you can't be comfortable being uncomfortable, you can't follow Jesus. That's what he said. Another man came to him and says, Jesus, I'll follow you, but first let me go and do this. And Jesus is like, no, you can't do that. There is no first but me. There is nothing that is going to take priority in your life above me. There is me and there is only me. And if we can't commit to Jesus in that way, we're never going to be followers. We will always be fans of Jesus. So Jesus is asked, what must I do? And Jesus' response is, well, what do you read? And today I want us to understand that, that believing and doing are essentially two sides of the same coin. That it's not one or the other, it's both and. If you flip a quarter, you could get heads or you could get tails, but it doesn't make it less of a quarter. In our lives, yes, we have faith, but that faith had better lead us to live it out, to, to, to act upon it every single day. If we're supposed to act on it every day, what are those actions that I must do? What are those things that, that Jesus has answered to this question? What must I do? How did Jesus answer? The first thing that, that we must do is love God with all of us. I have to love God with every part of me. The man's response when Jesus asked, what do you read? He, he responds, he says, I'm supposed to love the Lord with all my heart. I'm supposed to love the Lord with, with all my soul. I'm supposed to love the Lord with all my strength. I'm supposed to love the Lord with all of my mind. What is that? That's every part of me has to be committed to loving God. Now here, let me, let me explain something to you. You as a follower of Jesus, you as a disciple of Jesus, the life that you are called to live, the most important command that has been given to us as followers of Jesus is to love him with every part of us. But do you know what? We can't love God without God. I can't love God this way without God first working inside of me. The ability to love doesn't come natural to me. The ability to be selfish, the ability to be self-centered, the ability to, to look and say, I'm just not there yet. Jesus, I know you love me because you died for me. And I know you love me because you gave up your life, but, but I just don't know that I'm ready to make that commitment yet. That's what comes natural. That's what comes easy. And so this idea of loving God with all of me is something that I can't do until first he's come and he's had his way in me. Love God with all of my heart. How, what, what does that mean? What does that look like? How do I love God with all of my heart? Second Corinthians chapter three, Paul writes. And as Paul writes to, to the church in Corinth, he, he tells them anybody who turns their heart to the Lord has that veil removed. Like, like there was this thing that was blocking us in Jesus. We, we couldn't see Jesus. We couldn't experience Jesus. We, we, were, we were separated from him. But the moment we turn our hearts to him, that veil is removed and we can see clearly. And not only do we then see clearly, but we begin to reflect him by being changed into his very image. Paul writes, he says, your, your heart is like a mirror. Whatever you direct your heart at is what your life is going to reflect. And so if I direct my heart at Jesus, when people look at me, they shouldn't see me. They should see Jesus in me. When people come to me for my opinion or my thoughts or my, my perspective, my prayer is that they wouldn't get John, but that they would get Jesus in John. Why? Because my heart every day has to be directed at Jesus. I think one of the problems for us in the church today is that, that we've, we've turned the mirror of our heart. And so when the world looks at us, they don't see Jesus anymore. They see themselves. I've talked to people and they're like, you know, the church has just lost its voice. 
And it's my generation's fault. No, it's my generation's fault. And we let this come in and we let this go out. And now there's no prayer in schools. We, 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 we were silent when we should have spoke up. And I'm like, it's not that you were silent. It's not that you stopped talking, but it's that we stopped directing our heart at the Lord and started directing our heart towards the world. So now when the world looks at us, they don't see anything different. Like you want me to follow Jesus? Why? You look the same way that I do. You want me to follow Jesus for what? You're more depressed than I am. You want me to follow Jesus and go to church with you on Sunday? For what point? You're messed up. You're more messed up than I am. Why? Because we've turned our hearts to the world and now that's what we're reflecting. It's time for us as followers of Jesus to get back to living the life that Christ has called us to live, loving God with all of our heart. God, may every day my heart be directed at you. Why? So that I can reflect your glory and I can reflect your love and I can reflect your goodness in my world around me. Love God with all of my, my soul. What's my soul? It's my mind, my will, and my emotions. Your emotions, your, your will, the things that you are deciding every day to do are those things loving God. The things that you wake up and, and when you're looking at your day, you say, I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna do this and I really don't feel like doing this, but I probably should do this anyway. Are those daily disciplines things that show that you're loving God? It's not just believing, but it's doing as well. What are you doing on a daily basis with your will, with your, your discipline, with your actions that show that you're loving Jesus, that you're following Jesus, that you're not just a fair weather fan and when they come to arrest him, you're gonna run and hide. What are you doing? See, I think that we find ourselves in such a precarious, uh, such a challenging time, um, you know, whether it's, whether it's the social injustice or or the COVID situation. I think there are so many opportunities for us to, to be divided among different lines. And the crazy thing is we haven't even made it to the election yet. Like in everything that we've gone through in the last four and a half months, I don't even know that we've hit the worst of it yet. And everybody's like, I can't wait till it goes back to normal. I can't wait till this is all over. It's going to get worse before it gets any better. And, and that's just your daily source of encouragement. You're welcome for that. But I think, we're, I think we have to, to determine ahead of time how we're going to live in the times so that when we start going through the times and the trials, our faith isn't shaken because we're not fans, but we're followers. And, and followers have decided ahead of time that no matter what happens and no matter what may come and no matter, no matter what arguments and no matter what division and no matter what opportunities, no matter what the news starts to say, no matter what my friends start to say, and no matter what my, my kid's school says and my employer says, no matter what happens, I'm following Jesus. Do our daily disciplines, do the, the decisions that we make every day show that we're committed to living this out? Or have we got so comfortable during COVID that when the church says our doors are open, we sit home and say, you know what? Yeah, the whole in-person church thing used to be fun. But you know what's more fun is church in my pajamas. And it's quiet, not just because there's nobody in here, but I would venture to say it's quiet because not many of you are typing in those comments, amen, right now in the chat. And I'm not trying to throw stones. I understand. Listen, there are some of you that, that are at high risk during the season and I totally get it. Stay safe, protect yourself, protect your family. But there's a lot of us that will go to Disney during the week. But then when it comes time to go to church on Sunday, it's like, I don't know about that. 
What are the things that you're doing on a daily basis showing that you've committed to follow in your life with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our, with all of our strength? That's the best part of me. What am I doing with my energy that shows every day I'm following Jesus? It's, it's challenging for me because you know what? Here's the truth. I can wake up early for a 6 a.m. tea time. And I can wake up early to hit the water and go fishing in the morning. And I'm from Nebraska and it's not hunting season yet. We got about a month to go, but I can wake up before the sun even starts to think about coming up and go find myself sitting in a tree. Why? Because it's something that I want to do. But you ask me to get up early to do devotions in the morning? I don't think I can do that. I need my sleep. Well, you didn't need your sleep yesterday when you were teeing off at 6.30. Well, that's different. Is it? Are you more committed to that than you are to following Jesus? We have to love him with all of us. The second thing that he tells us, man, is not only do we have to love God with all of us, but I have to love you as I love myself. He says, I have to love my neighbor as I love myself. Jesus says, yes, you're right. Do that and you'll live. Now, here's the hard thing about that. There's a lot of us who love ourselves a whole heck of a lot. Like the idea of loving somebody else the same way that I love me is challenging because I love me a lot. Self-assurance is number six on my strength finders. It's not something that I struggle with. And so when I, when I hear this challenge of loving somebody the way that I love me, I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I can do that. But on the other side of that is there's a lot of us who struggle with self-esteem and self-image. Who, who struggle with understanding our identity, who read scriptures like we are, we are fearfully and wonderfully made, that we are his masterpiece, that he, we are his workmanship, that, that Jesus doesn't make mistakes and everything that he creates is perfect. And that includes when he created us, but we struggle with that. And, and we don't even know what it is to love ourselves. So when Jesus says to love our neighbors, it's like, I don't know what that looks like because I can't even love me. During this time, this has probably been the biggest challenge for me. Loving my neighbor. Who is my neighbor? It's the one that you don't look like. It's the one that doesn't vote like you. It's the one that on social media is posting things and just gets under your skin. You don't even have to read the post. You just see their name on your wall and immediately your blood pressure starts to rise. That's the person that you need to love like you love yourself. Really? Really? Really, pastor? I didn't say it. Jesus said it. But if we want to move from being fans of Jesus to just kind of knowing about Jesus to now being followers of Jesus whose, whose entire lives are rooted, not in our emotions, not in what people around us say, not in the things that are temporary, but, but my entire life is rooted on the foundation that is God's word. If that's going to be me, then this is the life that I must live. It's not just enough to say that I believe in Jesus and, and it's not just enough to accept Jesus as my savior. But if I want Jesus as my savior, I have to submit to him as my Lord. What is that? That's my master. That Jesus is not about what I want, but God, what do you want? Jesus is not about what I think, but what do you think? It's not about my desires, but what are your desires for me? Picking up my cross, dying to myself and choosing every day to follow him. See, salvation is a decision that you make once and you pray a prayer and you're saved in that moment. Anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Discipleship is something that we commit to every day. It's easy to be a fan. 
but being a follower will cost us. But as it costs us and as we commit to that, let me just encourage you with this. It will be the most rewarding. It will be the most fulfilling decision that you can ever make. Not just to, to invite Jesus in, but to choose to live for him each and every day. To live not according to your own desires, but to live according to his word. Like this man asked the question, Jesus, what must I do? What must I do to be a follower today? What must I do for those of you watching at home right now wondering, what must I do to go from being a fan to a follower? Love the Lord with all of you and love your neighbor as yourself. As we wrap up today, here's, here's how I wanna close this, this sermon out. I wanna give you an opportunity to respond to God's word. The Bible tells us not to be hearers, but to be doers of his word. And, and I wanna give you an opportunity to put it into practice. Some of you might be watching right now and, and maybe you've accepted Christ into your heart. And you, for, for you, your commitment today is, is not, that, not that I wanna give my heart to the Lord, but it's that I wanna live for him every day. I wanna go from being a fan to a follower. And I'm gonna pray for you here in just a moment. But, but for those of you that are watching and maybe you've never even taken that first step, you hear about being a follower of Jesus and you're not even a fan of Jesus. Last week, Pastor Corey said, there are some that are indifferent and you're just trying to figure out what does this whole Jesus thing look like? If, if that's you today and you're watching, I wanna give you an opportunity to respond to invite Jesus into your heart, to change your life from the inside. I'm gonna ask you to pray this prayer with me. Wherever you're at, just repeat this prayer. Just say, Jesus, thank you so much that you gave up your life so that I can find new life in you. And today I confess my need for a savior. Would you come in and would you change me? Would you take out my old, old way of thinking, my old way of life, and would you replace it with the way that you want me to live, help me to live for you, not just as a fan, but as a follower every day for the rest of my life. Lord, for those that prayed that prayer, I just pray that you would fill them with your love, fill them with your peace, fill them with your hope. God, for those that are watching that have been in this camp of being a fan, like I, I invited Jesus in years ago. I, I've, been, I've been going to church every Sunday for the last five years, but I, I haven't made that decision to daily pick up my cross to daily be a follower, to die to myself and to live for him. God, I pray that you would give them the strength, give them the determination, give them the grace to live it out, not just one day, but every day from this day forward for the rest of their lives. And Lord, as they follow you, even as the, the disciples followed you, you opened the door to so many things that they never would have imagined and never would have experienced had they not followed you had they stayed where they were. Lord, help us not to stay where we are, but to follow you every day. We love you in Jesus' name, amen. And if you prayed that prayer, here's what I want you to do. If you, if you committed your heart to the Lord, click on that box in the chat. If you're here today and you need prayer, we've got some people that would love to engage with you online. Just let us know. But till next time, be blessed, Cape Christian. Love you guys. Have a great day.